Welcome, welcome. I got popcorn toes. Welcome. Popcorn toes. That's what came to mind. All right. Well, how are the? Good. Little, little tired, but that's from staying up for too late. Yeah. Well. How about yourself? Myself. Uh, I'm okay. I'm. I got tattooed, so I didn't go to the gym because I don't want to sweat my bandage off. So, you don't want you don't want to go to the gym and have them punch your new tattoo. Well, it's a Saturday, so I'm going. Oh well, yeah. There's that. Yeah. That yeah, that too. Sounds like that's what you should do. Nope. Like punch me right where they. It's new, not here where it's old. Over here. No. Nope. On the fresh. I don't want that at all. I'm not leaving till I bleed. <laughs> That's crazy talk. But other than that, I mean, I'm okay. Nice. Yeah. Got yeah. some sleep, stayed up late. Yeah. It's the way of things. <laughs> Just boring person, I guess. You know. Yeah. Drinking my coffee. Uh, I want to really talk about a bunch of Pathfinder shit right now. Well, let's do journals, and then we'll talk about Pathfinder shit, and then we'll go from there. No. Maybe actually talk about our topic. No, nah, I don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about the topic <laughs> that you picked? We can, we can talk about it. It's fine. Well, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Okay, journals, you start. No, I... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, okay. No, what were you going to say? No, I don't want to start. Oh, you don't? I've started like the last three times. Yeah, I know. So I'll do it again, <laughs> I guess. It's fine. Trading off seems good. Sure. Uh, we played yesterday. There was we four did. players. They, there was. Uh, it was good. I thought it was good. I enjoyed yeah, uh, the session quite a bit. I. Mm -hmm. Got to do a, like a little NPC backstory for everybody, and uh, took took you from Glass Cannon. Yeah, I totally jacked that from Glass Cannon type stuff because yeah. it's good and it's fun and it it uh, satisfied my need in the session. So I was Your okay with speed. the players just taking time to plan. Plan and plan and plan and plan and plan. And then they did. And I was like, cool. But it was cool, Our though. plans I worked, too. Yeah, it was great. And it, I thought it was fun. I thought your guys' plan was rocking. I, I, I think you'll find it funny to hear that Lindsay felt uh, a sense of catharsis being able to do that. Because she's so used to being rushed, like, we have to go do this thing, we have no time, like, having agency to just figure things out in the way her character wants to was a big deal. Oh, nice. I'm glad to hear that. It yeah. see like, it, <clears throat> it seemed better to let, I mean, you guys are pretty powerful beings right now. You're not mm -hmm. all powerful, but you're... I mean, your average person, you guys could flick them away like a fly. It'd be like, beep, you're nothing to me. Sure. You have to be pretty strong. So it's kind of like, to me, since we're doing, and this is like a kind of 
how I run Cypher is really what I'm getting into is to me, it's more about the narrative, the story and having kind of fun with the whole thing. And I've been trying to let go of that a little bit more and more. Mm -hmm. And so this session, the way that I like, I got to get like my numbers in with the little intro. I was like, Oh, I feel good now. I don't, anything can happen now. And I'm stoked. Right. And it kept me from like pushing you guys. It kept me from doing anything, but I loved the the shift that you guys like. There was all these ideas, and a lot of like, yeah, okay, well, we could try that. And the idea morphed into this insanity of let's go get one of the crazy monsters here in the jungle and have it go in there, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it did insanity. Yeah. Took out the whole first floor. <laughs> uh, one of our players kept mentioning that's something you do in Skyrim, which I haven't played enough Skyrim to to know what he was talking about. Mm. But it's the same thing. I think there's some Jurassic Park movies where, like, go find the T-Rex and, like, have them chase you here right. so that they can destroy the enemy base or whatever. Right. Same idea. And it's, you know... It's one of those, like, crazy high-risk, high-reward-type situations. Like, right. I was... And I, I'm into that kind of stuff. And the players seem to really love that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It was good fun. time. Yeah, it was fun. Hmm. Uh, what about you? Any thoughts as a player? It was fun. Like, right. yeah. It's... it's I like my character. It's interesting... Uh, interesting glorified fetch quest where the... The chief's like, hey, you want to do this? Well, you got to go do this for me, tip for tap. I'm like, all right, how's Ian going to fuck us? Yep, it's all normal. Oh, oh, there it is. Like, we get to the bottom, and there's horrible monsters, and, like, an alarm goes off, and they're flooded. Like, there it is. That's what I was waiting for. That's that's so, what we've been building towards. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not in a bad way. I thought it was fun. All right. Uh, did you like the the wiki story? Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I I I would have liked to hear because it was kind of like we got just little glimpses. Sure. I would have liked to have more depth. Oh, I'm sure. Things. But uh, yeah, it was cool. For sure. More depth into the little the little guy. Yeah, I like. Um, and Troy will do this too in Glass Cannon, where he'll kind of give you just a tiny bit of flavor. Mm. But for me, as a listener, like as the audience, I I get more of what. The character is if I actually get to see them play out like a scene. Right. Like who this is, how they are, you know, how they got to be the way they are, whatever. Sure. Whatever you're trying to kind of reveal. Right, um, right. But I liked it. It was cool. Sure. Nice. I think it's a good technique. It's it's another good tool in the toolbox. Oh yeah. But Jim, what Show. about uh what about you and your journal there? Uh, I, I don't have much more than that. So I didn't really honestly plan this week. What I did is I finished reading the core rule book mm. for Pathfinder, which is uh, a big, big book. And I didn't read every single spell. I didn't read every single item. And I didn't read through the classes because that's stuff that I'm going to go back and do. I've read through some of the classes and things like that. Um, and I want to, but it's like I, I wanted to get a sense of all the rules and like how it's played, the GMing stuff. And a lot of it is really kind of divvied out. So, like, if you want to know about 
how to adjudicate skill actions, for instance, you have to go to the skills chapter. Mm. If you want to know how activating items works, you have to go to the treasure chapter. So there's a lot of rules spread out um, that it, in terms of just trying to get a big view of what you're supposed to do as a GM, that that's a little annoying. Annoying is not even, that's too strong of a word, but it's kind of like, wow, this is a lot of like, it, it's not all in one place. Sure. So I hope that the remaster books kind of, I know they're reworking the text and making things clearer. I hope that's one thing that they do is make that, just make it easier for GMs to, to find all the rules you need. Now, that being said, obviously, there's also online resources. Right. And Archives of Nethys is really good for certain things. But So I finished that, started right, reading Kingmaker in earnest. Uh, I've read good portions of the Game Master's Guide because there are rule subsystems that come into play. So it's a lot of reading, lots and lots of reading, um, which coincidentally helps me understand the rules better. So that uh, I, we are switching over to a different host mm. for Pathfinder. So we're switching over to Molten Hosting. So I've had to rebuild the table from scratch and rebuild everybody's characters and do all that. So that has been the planning side of it. It's mm. getting ready, getting ready for that. So. Well, that's. <laughs> I know the pain of that. I know the pain yeah. of rebuilding. Not as much as you lately, but I do know the pain. Yeah. I, I don't mind doing it. It's annoying just because it would be much nicer to transfer, but the whole transfer thing is very opaque and it's not easy to understand. And I'm happy to take the time to learn it, but I don't have time to do that. Mm. So it's just easier to build over the characters. And again, I found other things like... Uh, our, we have a goblin summoner, and he had the wrong spell list on his sheet. And he had, he was the wrong type of caster. Oh, really? So I, I was able to kind of correct, you know, again, other things that have, have been missed. Nice. And it's like, man, I bet there's all kinds of stuff if I go back. If I did this for when we were playing 5e, I bet I'd find a bunch of stuff like that. Oh, I'll bet. So it's been really invaluable. Um. So that's been the that's been the main it's just a lot of like grunt work right mm. now. But it's been really helpful in terms of like realizing one of the reasons why it feels so brutal for the party is you guys are supposed to get a certain amount of magic items every level. Right. Like throughout the level. And the I haven't really noticed that I kind of assumed the adventure path would drop those, but I I think they assume the GM is gonna drop in what's what they think the party is going to like or what's going to work for the party composition. Sure. Because there's not really a lot of like, oh, this is a cool permanent magic item kind of thing. Right. So looking at how the rules for that works and uh, excited to think about, ooh, what do I want to drop in for the characters to have and that nice. kind of thing. I so, like that. That's sweet. Yeah. Been a lot of that. A lot of Glass Cannon podcast. Pretty yeah. far along in that. So uh, that's about it right now. We're, we're going to have a session on Monday and then I'm, um, I'm interested to see how they're, you guys are at the boss battle right. for chapter one. Very interested to see how that plays out. Cause it could go many different ways right now. Yep. Many different routes we could take. I... There's also like, uh, so we have, a basically a turtle. 
from 5e but we've i've homebrewed a character i think i talked about that yeah but the way his shell block he has like kind of a raised shield equivalent but with the shell how it works and this is a homebrewed where i'm pulling it from a homebrewed ancestry that somebody made and posted on reddit it's really brutal right you have the you have the hardness and you have the broken threshold and if if you get to half of your like hit points with an item any item it's considered broken right so if his shell gets broken he takes the wounded condition until he heals it so when he heals he has to decide do i heal my shell or do i heal me I don't, uh, I don't like any of that, personally. Yeah. I told him about it. I was like, look, this is really brutal, so we can fix it. And he's like, yeah, it's probably fine. I'm like, he's only saying that because he doesn't understand the implications of the rules right now. Yeah, it's just like it. a plus one, that doesn't seem like a big deal until you understand what that means within the system. Right. Like a plus one, plus two is a huge bump in Pathfinder. Makes you know? a difference. Yeah. So lots of learnings and readings and buildings. Nice. I uh, snagged the the player's guide for that new adventure path. Uh, Strength of Thousands? Is that what it's called? It's the Sky sky one? Sky. Uh, no, it's uh, Sky King's Tomb. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. grabbed the player's guide uh-huh. for that. Yeah. I want to really play that one too. Yeah, they all see, right. that one would be really fun to like lean into a heart and everybody plays a dwarf. Right. Like you're a party of dwarves. Yeah, it looks really cool. I love that. Like just even reading a little bit of it, I was like, this is like so cool. Well, and the the uh, High Helm source book they came out with is really awesome. Like the way the city is designed, mm. it basically spirals down like it's all inside this mountain and you have these different levels that spiral down and then the main city is at the base of the mountain. Oh, that's cool. And they have a bunch of stuff where they have like these uh, animals that they brought up from the, uh, uh, what do they call it? The Shadowlands? Mm-hmm. Is that what they, no, it's something else. The it's dark the lands. under dark, what, Darklands, there you go. Uh, so they, they had like, they thought about how like, okay, how do the dwarves eat? Like, what do they, do for food what do they do for this so there's a bunch of detail in that book that seems really cool that is cool i like that stuff yeah it does seem cool oh Lindsay, for my birthday which is coming up she bought me the harrow deck nice for foundry yeah which i'm going to incorporate into gatewalkers as well and it's pretty deep i was looking through it because they designed it so that you can actually do like real order oracle readings if you want sure but it's like there's like six suits. Each one is for one of your stats. Oh. Kind of like it corresponds to that. And you do a reading that's like corresponds to this, all the uh, alignments. And it's interesting. That's cool. And the GM can kind of tip tip the deck, tip the scales. If they want players to pick certain cards, draw certain cards and stuff. Oh, that's fun. That makes mm-hmm. it fucking crazy. And there is an archetype that is a Harrow reader. So you can also have players do readings for other players too. Oh, crazy. And things like that. So, again, lots of depth, lots of crunchiness. I like. No. I hate. Yes. It's garbage. Poo-poo cake. 
Poop, poop, poop. Oh, that's that's why you just bought the third Alcanstar book. Right? I did buy it. It's good. I read through like just the synopsis of the the chapters in it, and yeah. I was like, oh my god. This You're talking is... about the little paragraph where it's like, in this chapter, this right. happens, and it should be this level. Yeah. Well, it gives you just like a briefing of like here is like the super arc of this chapter. Did you check the back and see who the final boss is? Oh yeah, of course. Nice. Very cool. I'm interested to see. It seems like a lot of these adventure paths, you don't, like, yeah, we start in Alkenstar, but you end up in, like, BFE somewhere. Like, you're in the middle of the Mong Expats. <laughs> fighting snake people. Um, yeah, it's it truly, like, the, the end sequence, like, the end part, when I read what it was, I was like, wow. High level game because you'll be like nine, ten, eleven somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. In this scenario, in this like with everyone playing into the conceit of you know we're in this like kind of western style game. We're in the impossible lands where all the impossible things happen. Right. It's so over the top and awesome and crazy. It's nice. it's gonna be fun, I think, especially with like who plays mostly and is, like, active. Yeah, there's kind of a core group that's emerged, which is interesting. Right, and they're the ones that actively move the, the pieces around on the board. Yeah. Uh, with that group, I think they'll have a lot of fun in that adventure, especially, okay. yeah, I just think it'll be fun. It'll be good. But anyway. I'm excited. I'm excited to play Pathfinder. Uh, speaking like I, of... I, uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, what's up? No, I, was, I uh, Pathfinder is the first system where I, there's a bunch of characters that I actually want to play, <laughs> as opposed to just running games. Where even looking back, because we're going to be playing a five E campaign with one of our friends, like oh, just once a month. Mm -hmm. And I was looking. I'm like, okay, because I got the. I'm going to play a Scion from the Weird Wastelands. Got approved for that. But I'm like, okay, let's pick. Let's pick a race. Let's pick a. Oh, these are so boring. 5B so boring. God, so boring. <laughs> Not, none of this is interesting to me. Do you have any... I've changed my thoughts on what character I'm going to play. Uh, yeah. I... There's a changeling that looks cool. Um, or I might I might just go full drow or something like that. Oh, that'd since, be cool. Since there's no drown pathfinder now. Um, at least, you know, according to canon. I don't really know. Again, it was like, it, it is cool to see that they now have, like, you can play a fairy mm. and some stuff like that. But nothing is really calling out to me, so maybe Changeling or something in that vein. Sure. Like, humanoid, but they, they're weird. They have magic in their bloodline or something something strange. So Oh, I was also looking at the Githyanki. Oh, cool. Or Githser, I think Githserai, the, the psychic ones. Right. Which are like, they're the, uh, not the warriors, but the they do a lot of mental psychic stuff. I'm like, that. that's definitely on brand. Yeah. That would make sense. And I like the way they've kind of, 5e has done the Gith. They don't look like undead liches so much now. Right. What about you? I tell you, I what I really want to do is copy my character that I played in that world already. Mm -hmm. But 
it's a barbarian fighter. And it's like, you know how it is in multiclassing. It's kind of like you're kind of limping for a chunk until you hit these like certain points. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, because then there's a part of me that's like what would be super good is to get like a few levels in Rogue, at least to get some expertise and maybe some sneak attack. Barbarian. And fighter. But again, that that class. Three classes, that's tricky. Right. It won't be good until level 10, 11, 12. And you're only playing once a month. Right. And So, like, it's going to take you a long time to really get good at, good at something. So, I most likely, uh, I may, I don't know, man. It's such a weird thing because I was going to do a bard. But then I got to choose a bard. Now you're playing a bard in PF2. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's going to scratch my itch. So I won't play a bard. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I could go try a druid again. I was like, yeah, but the only reason I loved the druid is because I was we were playing it wrong almost the entire time. We didn't. You never like you had your starry form, but you never changed into an animal ever. Right. And I was even there was a few things in my starry form and stuff that I was using that uh, was not accurate to I'm, how they I'm not surprised about that at all. Right. Doesn't surprise um, me. Sometimes you would do do things in combat and I'd be like that seems wrong. Yeah. It was there was He just wiped out half half the bad guys at level 3. Something. No. Something's wrong. No, it, the the crazy stuff didn't start happening until like level 9. Uh But uh yeah, I don't know. Starry man. form wasn't even out officially. That right. was a play test. Yep. That was a what do they call them? Uh, I want to call it errata. That that's not correct. I can't remember what they call the uh, the play test for D and D anymore. Your butt. That's definitely not what they call them. But they should. Uh, God, I want to play Baldur's Gate three though. Fuck. Wow. Looks so cool. Yeah, people be talking. People be. Wanting. Oh, it's. I mean, it's it's one of the, it's like the big game. It's like The Witcher or uh, Elden Ring. It's mm-hmm. it's the game of the year. Apparently, Zelda fans are pissed. Why? They're like trying to because they don't want their crown to be stolen because everybody's been saying Tears of the Kingdom is the best game of the year, but mm. then suddenly Baldur's Gate, which it's been around, but suddenly it's exploded on the scene and created this controversy because of all the Western developers being like, "Yeah, well, you know, this game's great and all, but it shouldn't set any trends because right. we really like our microtransactions." I've, I mean, everything that I've read about it. Uh, people are enjoying it and hating it. And the fact that there's two games that are highly sought for game of the year, that's, dude, that's a, that's a well. win for us yeah. gamers. Like, yeah. you should want this at least every two to three years, you should want this kind of war happening. Yeah. Well, plus, I, th- I think, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, because every year you're being greedy. That's crazy. That's game developers aren't going to be able to do that every year. But like, Give us super cool shit every few years. We People always say, I will wait. Just make it really cool. Right. Well, I think Baldur's Gate was in development for like 10 years. Yeah, well, uh, Ashley's had it for years now. On, yeah, yeah. on uh, Well, the Alpha was out, I think came out in 2020. But I think they were developing it like seven years prior to oh, that. Oh, I'm sure. I think it was a really long time. 
And I mean, they did. I've heard that they did Divinity uh, Original Sin two mm. as like an audition to be able to do Baldur's Gate. Oh, interesting. So, because Wizards wouldn't give them the rights to play it or to make it for a long time, uh-huh. they had to they had to prove their worth, which is like, oh, that's cool. I wish Divinity Original Sin two was cheaper. It's, it's still new game price. price. Yeah. But I've heard that one is the same, but on a less less extreme level in terms of like all the story and all the options mm. and all the all the everything. And that's also the one John our our friend John thought that was based on D and D and it's like, no, that one they made their own rule set. It's it's a CRPG. Right. Full on, turn based. But it's it's not D and D rules. So Well. One day. One day I'll play it. One day. One day. One day when PS5 is about done and the PS6 is coming out, I'll probably be able to afford one. Probably. I think that, yeah, give it like a year or two. That's usually about four years into it, right? Like, because each system has about five years in it. And then they're like, okay, the new one's coming out. We don't, what, PS4, what? Yeah. What is that? We don't. That's true. They they are. But the cycle is speeding up, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. I'd like to just play, like, just, I just want to play the game when it's cool. Not when it's like, oh, yeah, I finally played this. Oh, yeah. Beat it. I played that years ago. It's fine. Two or three years ago. It's not good compared to what I got Take now. Take your fucking ennui and shove it up your butthole and ennui? jump off a cliff. Yeah. What's that? Uh, It's basically like, it's kind of like being jaded. Mm. It's like, it's uh, like a sense of ennui when you like kind of lose a luster for life. Huh. Um, something like that. Well, let's see. I'm I'm not getting exactly right. So let's look it up. No, don't do that. Yes, I'm doing it right now. <sighs> yeah, listlessness and dissatisfaction resulting from lack of interest or boredom. So kind of nihilism, mm. jaded, like you just you lose motivation. Like you'll hear people, like older people, talk about like the youth getting a sense of ennui like way too early. Like especially with the internet, like yeah, the internet ruins everyone kind of has on we now, like permanently. That's the other thing is I think Tears of the Kingdom, like that controversy, like review bombing, is only happening because the internet exists and people are like getting enraged for no reason, for <laughs> right. no good reason. Because I'm sure, th- like, I like having multiple games that are awesome. It's yeah. like having multiple movies that are awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've got this one, we got that one. And they both exist. And they're and both that makes me bonerific. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm sorry I'll see myself out. I'm sorry I offended thee. Um, one thing, so yeah. though, that yeah, one thing. video games does real well is, is butts. doesn't need flavor text to describe a room or a place. You just get to see it. Unless you do a CRPG and then they have that anyways i'm also playing disco elysium finally talk about four years later which apparently is another game that pete like developers dogged on and stuff right but it's all text there's what do you mean it's all text like there's no it's an rpg you level up you have skills but all your skills are like psychological like your knowledge and Mm -hmm. you have different parts of your personality that talk to you and you can actually level those parts up uh so you have you're a police officer. You wake up with amnesia, 
and you have to kind of piece things together and there's a murder mystery. It's really dark. It's like Blades in the Dark in the future, basically. Uh, okay. And and it's got really cool art, but like you'll go into a place and then it will describe the place and like what you're doing as well. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I can't believe that for, with a game with so much text, like how enjoyable it is. They also have great voice acting reading the text aloud. Oh, nice. So you can listen to it or read it or both. So, yeah, it's good. Nice. Very, I like good. that. But you were going to say. No, I was just going to say the that's what we're talking about today is descriptions help with that, tools, things of getting better at that. Yeah. So and box text. Box text is. Yay or nay. For me? Yeah. I do. That's, I've never got to run one with box text. Oh, you've always done homebrew. Yeah, so like yeah. the box text I know is just from reading adventures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, I can speak from the position of I enjoy reading the box text. It oh, yeah. makes nice. me feel it's awesome. Like I get super hyped about it. But implementing it, you would be able to tell us a bit more about that. Sure. Well, and I'll say Paizo's cognizant of a lot of people who buy their books are not actually ever going to play. So they want to make their books enjoyable to read. And there are good, good sides and down. There's upsides and downsides to that because the, and I don't necessarily know if this is true and I don't know if I believe it, but I, I remember reading an article on the Alexandrian blog, um, about like, you kind of have this spectrum of the more enjoyable the book is to read, the less useful it is as a reference, usually. Oh. And I think uh, probably I heard about it first, now that I'm thinking about it, we've talked about this a little bit, um, from WebDM, I think, too, mm. has has talked about this. So, like, you have this tension as, like, a video game, or video game, RPG publisher, like, where's the line? Is this going to be a reference, or is this going to be something that's enjoyable to read, and who who's my audience who's mm. buying my books right right um so i will say that paizo's books are extremely enjoyable to read they're really fun and the the box text is definitely at the top uh again i don't have it tons of stuff to compare it to but i i've run blades in the dark uh i've played um good society uh and also 5e of course 5e hey, i really don't care for their box decks mm. it's just lackluster to me and i've heard complaints with other people that's not to say that it is it's just to say for me it's like Ugh, okay i need to rework this this is not good sure um in in a practical sense i don't like reading box text verbatim unless i can't come with up with anything on the spot mm. so box text i think is really useful to read through four or five times get the gist of what it's saying have it in front of you so like if you're doing a token crawl when they go into a room you can you can tell them what they see in the room but in a more naturalistic way sure and i don't think there's i mean troy lavalley from glass cannon is really good at this where you you after a while you'll hear him kind of reading box text but then he'll kind of take a left turn mm-hmm and he'll add his own flavor into it. And that's something he does is he'll reread stuff a lot. 
kind of like an actor would for their lines, right? Oh, sure. There's, that's like the craft ex aspect to it. Um, and then kind of reform it in your own way, make it your mm. own, which I think is a really good practice to do as a, as a GM to get better at describing. Because yeah. really, I don't do this uh, just because I'm lazy, but really you should be like reading text aloud all the time and describing things like describe your room as an exercise to get better at description. Mm. That's a really good thing to do. It's kind of like a jazz musician improvising. Sure, like sure. That's a good thing to do. Or picking up like Shakespeare or something and, and just reading it aloud because it is a skill to be able to cold read and to be able to say things competently. And I tend to stumble over my words. So if I'm reading something for the first time, I'm probably going to have to go back and reread things. And like, there's not going to be a lot of flow to it. Sure. So I have to do extra work in that department. The thing I've found that's the most useful though, mm. is actually reading box text and then breaking down what they're telling you into a bulleted list mm. and then reading off the bulleted list to my players. Sure. And I may not read everything. Uh, and that's fine because you can always, include things like if the players check like oh i want to do a perception check mm -hmm. what else do i see you can add in other details and you can also add in your own details if for instance like um the the part of the game that you're in for gatewalkers on monday right now everything's well lit mm -hmm. so like i can play i can improve on that what is the source of light what are the wood finishes on the walls I can add more details if we want to. Most of the time, the details don't really matter as much as I thought they would. Mm -hmm. Like, players don't really care too much about that. They're more interested in, like, okay, is there an enemy in here? Is there stuff that I can take? What are the threats? <laughs> what What's the main point of interest? Right. How does this apply to me? Um, you don't find a lot of people who are really in it for the atmosphere. Not that those games don't exist. Not that that's, like, a, that's a whole other... I found out last night about freeform play mm. where there's no rules. It's all about the emotional impact mm. and everything is GM fiat, which sure. is really interesting. So, but in terms of just your classic FRPG, a lot of those details are just going to get lost in the cracks, but I feel like re reading it, rereading it so that you really have a general sense of what's in there helps a lot. Mm. And if you want to read it, you know verbatim do so but what you'll probably find is it feels a little stunted and not as naturalistic and for me i like the naturalism in terms of not like it being realistic not simulationist but it feels like a flow like the players i feel like the players shouldn't notice that you're reading box text sure. and you're doing it really well yeah you're just describing what they see and and sometimes it's i i'm i nail it and sometimes i don't and sometimes I'm like, hey, guys, I'm just going to read you the flavor text for this room because I forgot to plan this part or I didn't know you were going to go here, right. you know, <laughs> so your players are going to be forgiving with that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. They will be forgiving as long um, as you as long as you just be like, hey, just so you know, we're in uncharted territory. So, here we yeah, go. you guys turn you did. You took a left turn. So I'm not prepared for this right now. That's I think that's. For me, it lets off some of the psychic pressure of like, fuck, I don't right. have anything planned. Secrets. And also lets the players know like, okay, like he, you know, we, we threw a monkey wrench in the plans. Sure, let sure. him, 
Yeah. Sometimes it's even good to be like, hey, let's take 10. I need to kind of plan yeah, give me a what's second. about to happen. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So what about you? I know like this is new, but you are starting to prep Alkenstar. You're looking at the box text. Sure. What are I, your uh, impressions as a newbie in that sense? Like, oh, I'm going through an adventure path where it's really well designed to kind of, it can hold my hand if I want it to. Well, I'll, I'll give you this. Uh, kind of a, a merging of me, baby. these two things. So, la, reading box text, I it makes me really excited reading the box text and thinking of reading it to the players to describe these rooms, to describe these things. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it for fucking Batum for the most part. Uh, mostly because I have to reach right now so deep into my own creativity to do mm-hmm. everything that I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So seeing that option, I'm like, oh, that sounds so nice just to read it. But I also know the minute I'm done with this and I start like earnestly like, OK, I'm, I have a table and I've read through the books, but now I'm actually applying it into this world. I know that I'm going to want to like add and do things yeah. and I love yeah, yeah. the what you were saying uh going through the the flavor text and pulling out the like the salient most like crucial pieces of info and having like a little list away. yeah 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 that you can be like okay this is all of the best information in that box text totally totally blab it out I love that that whole concept and like ooh that is actually that reminds me of like lazy gm mixed with a little other flavor well what, it's i mean Bulleted lists as a GM are your best friend. Mm -hmm. Like minimal information that's really important and impactful, uh, concisely described line by line, Mm -hmm. especially sub bullets. Like I use that all the time to differentiate like the importance of information. So here's a main thing. And then here's some additional stuff if you have time to describe or look at it. So that like bulleted lists are invaluable, I think, as a dungeon master, where you don't have time to read a paragraph. Mm-hmm. They're, like, unless you're it. literally reading box text and everyone's listening to you, when you're trying to look up, like, monster rules or powers, breaking that thing down into a bulleted list is going to be your best friend. Mm. For sure. But there is... I do like... Uh, like, last night, me going through that whole first part, mm-hmm. I had a lot of stuff written, Right. Yep. And I had gone over it a few times. And then as I was doing it, I found myself wishing that I had actually written out a few phrases that I really yep. liked. Because mm-hmm. you're uh, not going to remember it in the moment. You're right. Like, and uh, I had something really cool for this. Part. Right. I don't remember. <laughs> and I thought I did good this time and I did better. Yeah, it was but good. But again, I'm like, okay. Let's cut that down to like a few of the phrases that I want to make sure to hit on. And then I can riff, hit this phrase, right. riff. It's, it's like as a musician having a chord chart or lead sheet in mm. front of you where you're like, I got the gist. Wait, what is that chord? Oh, yeah. I wanted to do this uh, alt chord here, substitution here. Right. You have it right in front of you. So you don't, again, you're, you're, you're being kind to your future self is mm. what you're doing. I'm an asshole to my future self a lot. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. It's, he's terrible. But yeah, the that's mostly my big thing is like doing that intro thing I did kind of really highlighted the idea of 
pre-written flavor text and then doing it yourself. Yeah. Uh, at least doing it yourself the way I did it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really am excited to run uh, a box text. Everything's kind of there for me to play with already. Right. Very, very excited for that because the, the drain right now, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh, I'm miserable. No, I love where we're going and I'm loving the planning. But mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, it, there's a toll of it. Uh, which the toll has, I will say this as well, the toll has decreased now that there are, uh, I'm able to focus on just these players. Like the rest of the players that come in, they play, it's fun, it's fine, I'm not. But these players, I want to make sure, get delivery because they're here always. It needs to engage the ones that are here all the time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so makes it makes sense. Yeah, that it feels less, but it's still I want I'm very excited to do box text shit. I think what you'll find is like you'll edit the box text, but you won't you your planning time will go down. Mm. You just won't have to plan as much. The the trick I found with the adventure paths is just reread, reread, reread. Right. And I already read love it over, read it, it over again, read <laughs> over the monsters because you're gonna miss stuff. That's oh, just yeah. how it goes. Oh, even reading some of the, like, stats and shit for things. I don't know. I'm also very excited to play in a crunchy world again mm-hmm. uh, for the uh, reason of players like we have at our table. There's a lot of them that really like the free form of this, but a lot of them really do better when there's, like, a, a frame for them to house their creativity in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, where the... The edges are not so soft. And they're... Uh, I've read a lot of stuff online, especially in places like Reddit, where they... One of the things they say, which, again, I don't necessarily agree with it 100%, but it does make sense, is that one of the design philosophies behind Pathfinder 2E is having really consistent rules so that the players can really know the rules on a deep level and not have to like learn just this GM style. Mm-hmm. Like they know when there's a secret perception check, this is the way it's supposed to work. Right. You know, and I think there's a fine line between like, okay, well, how does the GM not have any agency to make calls? Like where's the where's the middle ground right. between that? You know? But I, I appreciate the fact of trying to make a system where it's like you don't as a player, you don't have to just be left in the dark. Like, I, I don't know. Like, they, they called it this way uh, one week, and then the next way they did completely opposite, as if that ruling didn't matter, it doesn't stick, mm. you know? So uh, I do appreciate that. And yeah. I think you'll like that. Just, again, running Pathfinder Adventure Path, it's going to be really easy because you're not, the cognitive load goes way down. All you have to do is read through the stuff, especially if you buy the foundry module. Oh, I will be. For it. Yeah, all your work is pretty much done. You'll have to do a little bit of tweaking and adjusting to the player's choices, but it's all there, so it makes it really, really easy. Nice. Very. It's going to be good. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I, the, I don't know, man, with descripting, the descriptions and stuff like that, 
I always uh, beat myself up for not using, and this is going to sound strange, better words, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, it does. And then I was like reading another thing that talks about you really using more, for a lack of a good word, complicated words or words that are more precise in what they're describing, but not everyone knows those words. Mm-hmm. You really have to pay attention to what your group is, because if you just start throwing out big words that mean all this, the players don't know sometimes, and they're not going right. to say anything. They're just going to be like, cool. So it's, uh, They'll say something eventually where they'll be like, okay, wait, what, what did I see? What color is it? You said chartreuse. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Is that pink? Is that red? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but again, it's... I. I Going off that idea, though, I don't know a way to increase one's vocabulary, I guess would be the way to describe it, uh, easily. Uh, The only way I know, and this is why I'm posing to you right now, is my advice is read books. Like, actually read books. Don't listen to them. Like, read actual things and see the words and... Right. Well, I can tell you how I increased my vocabulary. How did you? Self-taught. Any word you don't understand, look it up. Mm. Like, be really, really um, studious about it, and your vocabulary will start to increase a lot. Sure. Also, study the etymology of words. So if you see, like, protracted, where does that come from? What language is that? Oh, it's Latin. Oh, protract. What is it? Uh suffix is at the end prefix and then whatever the yeah no it's not suffix because then you have the main uh, chunk of the word suffix would be like uh, whatever you're going to put at the end at the end right right. yeah so like if you had protractius or something maybe Mm. Um, okay well what what does pro mean oh that means toward so anytime you see like the word pro and it has a latin origin it means generally like moving to something those kind of things that's the best thing you can do anytime and what's weird about that is i got that advice from you know from all places i got it from l ron hubbard it was the one piece of advice that i've read from him where i'm like that's really good advice i'm gonna do that that's paid (laughs) off not any of his other advice but um that that I thought was really good. That's the best thing you do. Reading a lot is how you'll encounter words. Mm-hmm. But if exactly. you read it and you don't know what it means and you skip over it, you haven't learned anything. You haven't gained any knowledge. You have to look that up, which back in the day before I had a smartphone, I literally would just keep a dictionary next to me. It was really fucking annoying because sometimes I'd have to stop like every sentence and be like, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? What is that? But now with smartphones, it's really easy. Nice. You just Google the word, and it even can tell you how to pronounce it, which is nice. It's crazy. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. it's much much easier. Um, but the thing is, incorporating vocabulary into your descriptions, I think, is different. Right. Because absolutely. You have you better be re- like a public speaker or doing something where you're having to use words spokenly. I'm going to say, make up a word right now, where you're speaking with a with a broad vocabulary because it's just like listening to music and hearing like 
weird jazz scales and being able to identify it is not going to suddenly translate to you being able to play those scales in a musical way in context. Sure. So you have to treat it as another skill to, to do it. Um, and I don't really think it's necessarily makes for better descriptions. Sure. And it depends on your group. I think if you're really consistent with a high level of vocabulary, maybe. But you're probably going to find that a lot of your players are, are going to, you're going to waste time re-describing things where if you just make it simple and, and flavorful and cool, that will get your point across way better. Sure. That's what, that's what I found for my own games. Is, and it's not that my players are stupid. It's that you're almost, for good intentions, you're almost purposefully obscuring what you're describing to yeah, your players. Yeah. You're, you're adding another layer of complexity when what you want to do is, is pull away layers of complexity because it's in their minds, you know? And especially if flow is the key. If you want to keep game immersion and flow, that's debatable. You may right. not want to. But, uh, yeah, it's much better to, okay, what level do I need to speak on? Level's the wrong word, but what arena are my players in? You know, where and how much do they pay attention? And there's some of my my players who don't they just don't pay attention. They're mm -hmm. not gonna retain the information. So why would I spend all this extra energy making it all my descriptions all flourishy and, and fancy when it does n absolutely nothing other than make me have to work more. Right. Absolutely. You know? I mean that makes so, sense. That's highly context dependent. But look up mm -hmm. every word you don't know. And there's some words in the Gatewalkers AP, that first one, where I'm like, what is that? Like, I have a big vocabulary. I've never seen that word. So nice. there's some of the writers definitely, uh, you can see them flexing their muscles, like wanting to use words mm -hmm. that don't get used a lot. It's also the writer of the first volume in Gatewalkers is a guy who's been around forever, too. I'm trying to remember his name because he's been... Uh, He's been in the industry for a long time, mm. I guess. Uh, let's find out. Also, uh, why I'm doing this, have you watched the Alexandrian video where he talks about descriptions? Uh, if I, I may have, have sent it, was it a to while you. Ago. Yeah. But he talks, he, he has a really great way of breaking down text where he says a lot of times box text they'll give you the wrong information first because if you think about what the players are looking for, as soon as you describe a threat, players want to act. And mm -hmm. that's kind of an unconscious cue that that's their, that's their time to act where a good practice is to take your box text, read through it, break it down, and maybe reorder the information. Sure. So instead of you open the door and you see a beholder about to blast you with beams, also the floor is made of a nice... <laughs> old aged oak and you see whiskey barrels in the corner with candlelight like we don't fucking care there's a fucking beholder but if you're like you open the door and you see oak paneled flooring with a candlelit room and there's a beholder there what do you do that naturally leads your players to pay attention in the way that you want not right. not in a manipulative way but there's a good flow to it yeah and there's a there's a unconscious kind of uh, click moment so that's another thing too that may, it might be fun to rewatch that and then talk come revisit this because it's a really good video mm. very very one of his best i would put it up there with the villains the villain one is so good yeah, yeah. 
super stoked for his book to come out. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I got... What else is there to say about that? Those are my main things that I think about when it comes to descriptions, to me personally. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you do any, like, warm-ups or practices to work on description? James L. Sutter is the guy I'm thinking of. I Like, he's a legit writer, game designer. He's cool. I do not do anything. So that's an interesting thing, too, is, like, just and again not saying that you should but framing like descriptions as part of the discipline of being a game master and what could you do to improve your skill Mm. as that like what what would be some exercises or warm-ups that you could do to get better at it means on the spot he doesn't know what to say doesn't know what to say Uh, do those one things where you have like tongue twister type things where you like actual speech warm-ups? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Singing warm-ups surprisingly help me speak clear because my lips always feel like there's too much lips there. Too much lips. When I'm trying to speak. So they feel like they get in the way. So I have to, I have to, not that I take the time, but when I do, like, get my lips articulating more uh, helps a lot. What else? Breathing exercises. Yeah. Uh, but what about actual description? I don't. I. I give up. You tell me. <laughs> well, if we talked about some. So, like, just reading aloud. Sure. Reading stuff aloud, like if you're as if you're getting ready to narrate a book for Audible or something. God, um, describing your room. So just describing what you see, and Ian's gonna love this. Recording it. Oh, the listening and listening to back it? to see. Yeah, listening to it. Ugh, that That's sounds Ian's so favorite. fun. Sounds yeah. like so much fun. Yeah. Again, if you're treat not you don't have to do any of this, but if you feel like you could improve, dear listeners, in your descriptions, this is a good way to do it because unlike writing where you have a lot of time to sit and revise and go back, when you're describing in the moment, what comes out is what you get. Yep. And you're probably going to have to revise in terms of, like, your players being like, okay, wait, what do we see? After you just described for five minutes. It's a chartreuse lily. Chartreuse. <laughs> um, so I think that's good. And I think the Alexandrian, like, reworking text or trying to break down the main points of what is being described mm. and seeing, going back, checking the two, like, making a bullet list. Okay, did I get everything? Oh, I missed this thing. Like being analytical about it, I think really helps. I uh, I think so too. Do you? Is that mm-hmm. what you think? I do. It's good. It's beautiful. It's quite beautiful. I think you're lying. What? What? Like a princess cooking your or cooking a... your family. What? What? What did you say? I didn't say. I anything. heard you say something. It was crazy. Somebody's yet. throwing stuff. You can build a fire uh, or what? I'm gonna go do the fire, I guess. Uh, yeah, so any, I mean, I feel feel like that's a good good stopping point right there. Does he have other words? My words? <laughs> Ian, Ian's look on his face, he's like staring into the abyss. <sighs> <laughs> oh, God, it's staring back. I, no, I don't have anything else now. 
My brain is empty. Ian's brain's empty. I guess that's our cue. You close this one. So you or me? You. You close it? You. You want me to close it? You're doing it. Uh, well, we're supposed to have a heat wave, I guess, this this week, huh? Coming up. Is that, is that you or me? We live pretty far apart. I think it's across the nation. Oh, well. So, I think it's the U.S. I could be wrong, but I think they were supposed to have a general heat wave. If nothing else, then where I live in Portland, I think, we're supposed to have one. Mm. Uh so it's a good time to like, you know, work on your description. Like also writing your own box text, just as an aside, is, is helpful. I used to do that and it's really time consuming, so don't do it the whole thing. But that really helps just get a sense of what what's important, mm. that kind of thing. But you know, like take take your phone, record, describe what you see as you're walking around. Make sure it's really hot. Make sure it's the hottest part of the day. Uh so that you start sweating. And then have you ever had that where like you're outside and it's hot, you come in and you start sweating, but you just don't stop like your body. Oh, yeah. It needs like 45 minutes to cool down. So, yeah, like get real hot, work on your descriptions, come back in and then just do a bunch of jumping jacks. No, what's wrong with yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. And then maybe some burpees and just like any like high, high mobility fitness activities. Just do that as you're describing what you see and stay sweaty Oof. while you're doing it. Jesus Christ. Ian looks disgusted. It's horrible. Jesus Christ. Like, subscribe.